Aloha, all you money makers out there. This is Indar Lang, and I'm super excited to have my good friend Rich Fecky here. Um, this is episode 45, and we're going to dive on to it. We're going to have some fun today, so let's go. If I told you guys that that subscribe button is the only thing that's separating you from financial freedom, because knowledge is power, I'm going to give you all the knowledge so you can succeed in life. Aloha, Rich. Thank you for coming on the show today. Let me let me know first a little bit of your story for all the people out there and the, some of the beginnings of it all, where you your background, where you originally originally started in this journey of real estate and so forth. Oh, and man, in the journey of real estate, that was twenty years ago, a little yeah. bit more. Um, was actually really crushing it in life. I was a professionally certified coach working with clients. I had a new book deal with Simon and Schuster. I was a, a keynote speaker. Uh, and then I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is skin cancer. And it's the deadliest form of can scan skin cancer, which is usually not a big deal if they can just do a surgery and remove it. Uh, but the doctors thought that it had spread to my liver because a couple tests showed masses on my liver. And the long story short, I had an oncologist that I met with who looked at my exams and he said, it looks like it spread to your liver. You probably have about six months to live. Mm. And that just rocked our world. Not even knowing that if I was going to be alive, we had a, a seven-year-old daughter, a three-year-old daughter. My wife, Kathy was a stay-at-home mom at the time. So she didn't know what she was going to do for finances. Wow. Wow. And uh, we'd, I had to go through test after test and wait for those tests uh, over the period of three months. So three months, not knowing that I was going to be alive to see my kids grow up or to see my grandchildren or any mm. of that stuff was a really hard time. And then for Kathy, who was a stay at home mom, she didn't know what she was going to do financially. So uh, she was also a certified coach at the time. She was working with a couple clients and working from home. Uh, and then she also had this small radio show that she would do once a week in San Francisco's before podcasting. Mm. And so she shifted the focus of that from personal development and coaching to finance. And she started to interview people on how did they make their money? And several of her guests had made their money through real estate. One was a real estate broker, uh, a bunch were investors. So basically she was like, this is what I can do. I can learn how to invest in real estate mm -hmm. and become a real estate, um, a mortgage broker. And thankfully the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. The melanoma did Jeez. not spread to my liver. It was what they call a false positive. Yeah. It was just clusters of blood vessels on my liver. What a yeah. lot of us have, they said 20% of the population, but it was that curse that felt like a curse turned into the blessing of us being introduced to real estate investing. So once I got the all clear, cancer free, we started to invest. Kathy and I went to, uh, we were living in San Francisco and we went out to a little town north of uh, Dallas, Texas, and we mm -hmm. bought five investment properties. And that was our start into it. And we just, we started that way as it became landlords. Yeah. And honestly, we just had friends and family saying, how are you doing this? How are you living in San Francisco and investing in Texas? And so Kathy and I decided just to form a group to kind of invest together, to support each other, to help each other and show people what we were doing. And we called it real wealth back then, way back then when it started to grow. And we thought it was maybe going to be a couple hundred members. And today we have over 70,000 members Jeez. that we've helped invest in real estate. And uh, to date, I think we're at about 6,200 properties we've helped investors acquire uh, worth over $1.2 billion. So so that curse back then definitely turned into a blessing of That's helping amazing. a lot of people and 
connecting with people like you, with Brandon, yeah. with so many amazing people in this industry. For anyone out there listening, I, I've known Rich. I've known you actually longer than you probably know me, just because I you were going to the groups, and I think we we're missing some of the um, the group meetups with Brandon and the the group. So I've heard of you before. Yeah. I actually even met you, and um, and I already admired you guys from before then because you and your wife Kathy have this just kind of amazing bond that just glows when you see you guys, and it's mm, amazing. Thank and you. I feel like you guys are just young at heart too. I mean, we were. We were jumping off the bridge. We're you guys. We were at uh, was the Hyatt. I think we're at. We snuck. I think it was right on the beach. (laughs) Yeah, we snuck out at the into the hot tub first. Late at night, the hot tub was closed down. (laughs) We were like ducking in as the security security would walk by, (laughs) and then uh, we climbed over on the bridge and jumped off. You know, late at night when we're you know not supposed to. Yeah. I feel like uh, it was funny. It's just still always being young at heart. It's, it's just amazing. And um, Kathy's got a rule, got a, a saying that she says, "I like to break a rule a day," and she tells that to her our kids and everything. So, so it's like, "Mom, I broke a rule today," and she's like, "Good job." So, Good job. I think that was a we we just made it in that day. We almost hadn't broken a rule, so jumping <laughs> off that bridge was was our rule breaking for the day. There you go, pushing the boundaries. Pushing. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, so we're part of you know brandon's group in this circle of just amazing people i really was bummed you guys just did the the marriage retreat and uh, my wife is out of town with her family and i really want to mm. go because I, I love brandon's everything brandon does he does over the top and it's like he gives you more than you expect and and every group totally. meeting that i always go to and and the community is Absolutely. just so great. It's all good people and that's what i love about it. You know, high high level people too that you can really share your experiences, your strengths. And I feel like they, they know their struggles, so everyone in the group. So I always feel like, yeah, very easy. transparent, very in, connected. Yeah. 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 Amen. I always feel that, that, that sense of like bond really quickly to everybody because they have that yeah. same growth. You know, we all love real estate. They have that same, we all have that same, uh, just mindset and it's that's i think why it's so tight that bonds so quickly with everybody and they know the yeah, same and it's struggles. more than just money that's yeah yeah that's the cool thing it's like everyone's you know doing really well or most people are doing really well financially through real estate yeah and they're also about just like brandon's tribe you know better life tribe they're looking to get the most out of all areas of life be better parents be better human beings to give yeah. back to yeah so just yeah i agree quality people cool people it's and it, it was you talking about that is all the group things that go with brandon and a team it's always like very successful people you know you have to have some success to be into the group but we don't talk often about the real estate we're talking about how to be a better husband or better wife you know that's most of the time the struggle mm-hmm. or of course how to grow a team or some of the other avenues outside of just making money you know how to have a great culture for your company things like that i always i find intriguing that we all have that same struggle outside of just growing a business you know yeah, yeah. totally but um so you started real real um real wealth that long ago that's amazing i didn't realize how how long ago it started yeah, how does it, 2003 how does it, how's it structure so you guys find um properties for in, investors or how do you guys structure it all 
Yeah, uh, we. I'm a, a, a real estate broker uh, licensed in California, so I can refer our investors and the members of Real Wealth to other brokers around the country. Yeah. Um, so most of our investments, and we property teams in different markets. So they're separate companies, but they're teams that find properties. Uh, you know, after 2008, it was a lot of re renovating yeah. foreclosures and all that and making them like turnkey and uh, doing a full rehab, getting them rent ready, and then putting a tenant in place. Over the past probably five to seven years, there's been this shift and slow focus over from rehab properties to new builds. Mm -hmm. And so now a lot of these property teams and brokers are finding developers and builders to build brand new properties. Mm -hmm. Then what, and then when they're ready to go, they put a tenant in place and then we just provide the investors. So it's a total win-win. Um, we send the investors to them. They get a buyer. It's yeah. great for the investor because we've vetted these property teams, make sure that they're, you know, a lot of them have been with us for over a decade, some 15 years. So we know them, we trust them, we trust their markets and their emerging markets. They're always growing. Um, so it's worked out really well. And the way we're compensated is I just, we get a broker to broker referral fee. Yeah, so the broker or the property team on that end, um, is paid by the seller to us as a referral fee for sending them investors. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome that you develop those relationships and, and you really, it's really important. I'm sure for you to make sure that um, the investor on the other side can really produce good products, great rentals and so forth. Cause you want it, you, your name's at stake sometimes. So you want to make sure your, <laughs> totally. your oh, investors yeah. yep. are going to get do well, you know, cause it's a, it's gotta be a win-win. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, 100%. Even with the property teams, like if a property team is not developing, they're uh, not delivering, and they're not getting back to one of our investors or something like that, our yeah. investor will come to us and say, hey, this property team or this you know, property management company is yeah. not that great. So we'll follow up with them and say, hey, if you want us to keep referring people to you, you need to clean up your act. So <laughs> it's kind of like this kind of group collective yeah. that helps everyone get support. Yeah, because you're providing volume to these guys. So they they better step it up if they want the business. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have some weight to throw around there. Mm -hmm. awesome. It helps. Yeah. So are you, are you guys constantly looking for more investors, both sides, um, more investors to buy stuff and then as well as deals on the other side, or you have a pretty big, yeah. Team? I mean, it's a constant, constant focus. Yeah. yeah. So we usually have about, about a thousand people joining real wealth every month. Oh, wow, um, I've always been like, when we, when we started in 2003, we kind of put the stake in the ground saying we are the anti-guru. We were kind of <laughs> nauseated by some of these RIA, RIA clubs where they have the gurus come out and sell their old courses and yeah. do the back of the room, you know, today yeah. only thing, you know, yeah. so we're like, we're never going to do that. We always had our events were for free, free to join Real Wealth. Uh, so we make our money through the broker fees. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're always looking for new members and uh, to bring in quality people to the network. And then we're always looking for new property teams and new markets because um, it's you constantly have to pivot, right? You know, mm -hmm. as interest rates change, as markets change, as companies move into new states or move out of states, yeah. um, there's a constant moving around. And what was a great market 10 years ago might not be a great market today. So we're always looking for new markets. Are you and property Kathy teams. Vetting, vetting those yourself or do you have a team now that helps vet the. No, the Kathy market. used to do all the vetting years yeah. ago, but yeah, yeah. we have a, uh, actually a husband and wife team who are experienced investors. They, uh, they flipped a lot of properties and they've been on that side of it. And now they work for us. 
And we call them our property team managers. So oh, nice. they'll go out to a new market that often Kathy will help identify the market. You know, her expertise is in market cycles and, and trends and the economics of it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll say like, here's a market that we know that so right now we're north of Dallas, um, up near Oklahoma, where they're building all the chip manufacturing plants. Oh, wow. oh. And they're putting in massive subdivisions and all that because just so many people are moving there. Mm -hmm. And so something like that, we're like, okay, we need to get a property team there. Yeah. And we go up, we look for the team, find out. And then basically they go through a kind of about a six month vetting process um, before we accept them as a property team, which is pretty, pretty stringent, but yeah, it keeps like you're us bringing from uh, volume, ruining yeah, you're our bringing reputation to them. Yeah. So they better be on it on their side too. Totally. Do yeah. You, they better know what they're doing. I follow a quick 1% rule to make sure something's cash flows, but in those markets, they cash flow really well. Um, I'm sure what, mm. what, what kind of rules or what kind of guidelines do you guys follow in some of them? I'm curious. Yeah. You know, in those markets, the the 1% does actually work. It's one of the yeah. very rare markets in, in the States where you can do the 1% rule anymore. It's, mm -hmm. it's like so many places. It's kind of like that 0.8, right? Yeah. yeah point eight is the real rule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Nowadays, it's just, you know, and especially when you're looking with, you know, today's interest rates and everything. Yeah. You know what the cool thing, though, a lot of the these builders and these property teams are buying the rate down for investors mm. so they can move more property. So like Kathy and I just bought a duplex in Palm Beach, uh, Florida mm -hmm. at a 4.75 uh, interest rate locked wow. in. So Jeez. pretty awesome. That's because That's awesome. the builder did a buy down on that rate. So yeah. we're like, oh yeah, this is a no brainer. Yeah. So we can actually kind of get that. You don't get the 1% rule on the, the price of the, it was about, I think it was 480,000 for the duplex. Yeah. Um, but it's still, we're getting probably about 600, uh, $600 a month in cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, honestly, we're Kathy and I were super, we're boring investors. We support that long-term buy and hold, yeah. Yeah. you know, buy refi keep it forever type thing so yeah. most of the investors who come to real wealth they just want to put together like a small portfolio of you know 10 to 20 properties and some of them will just are happy with that they're busy professionals they don't want to deal with finding properties or fixing properties up any of that so they just want it easy and then some of them once they kind of get their feet wet and they've moved out of the stock market and into real estate yeah then they'll say like oh i might try i might do some commercial i might do multifamily or something but most people start with that kind of that 10 pack, if you will. Do you ever pitch them cost segregation, some of the tax savings that they can get owning rentals or kind of let them know about that? A lot of people 100%. know about cost seg and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We did definitely looking at that, especially if they're going to be doing a, a small multifamily. Sometimes we've helped our investors get into something like, you know, just something small, like a, mm. you know, a 10 to 15 unit multifamily uh, where yeah. they can get a lot of cost seg on that. Um, but we don't teach them that. What we do at Real Wealth and always have is we always bring in experts and yeah. we'll have them on a webinar and on the our podcast and help that way. So they you know everything from 1031 exchanges to cost seg or whatever it might be or asset uh, setting up your um, your assets and your entities correctly. Yeah. Yeah. We usually leave that to the pros. Oh, nice that so you bring the people on there. Yeah, I, I teach, I mean, I speak to my investors about cost seg a lot of times and it's very, uh, it's something so easily to explain i feel like but i don't know it's sometimes maybe too good to be true i don't know what it is what's the disconnect of yeah. explaining cost seg but it's no it's, idea <laughs> i know it's, it's no it's it's genius you know you've got to take advantage of all this yeah. tax benefits and of being a real estate investor yeah yeah some people are just like the 
seem too busy to to learn it. Yeah, it, and and it's, it's great. I was speaking to an agent the other day about it and explaining to them, and she she didn't even like believe me or like didn't like she was like brushing me off. I'm like, she and she was telling me she's right. paying that like can't be legal. <laughs> yeah, she's paying a hundred something thousand in taxes. I'm like, and you have rental properties, dude. You need to be doing a cost seg, and she just like brushed me off. I'm like, geez, okay. Yeah, right. No, I'll just buy a jet and I'll yeah. get my good <laughs> bonus depreciation. Buy, I'll buy more stuff, more expensive. Right. <laughs> it, we laugh about it because we know how stupid it is, but some people think that's the that's the way. Oh yeah. Mindset. Yeah. Mindset, yeah. The mindset shifted all. it's interesting now as you I start making more money. It's it's more about how to save and not pay your taxes legally with some of these structures than compared to making more money sometimes it's interesting <laughs> but, yeah i mean it's that old thing that we hear so much it's like taxes are the base, biggest expense in life you yeah, know yeah. some people just like they they accept it it's just like oh that's the way it is you know and yeah. it's like but man there's so many ways to to save on taxes especially as an investor yeah oh yeah when you're real estate yeah there's tons you were a gym guy before. I seen you. You really used to do. Did you do a lot of gym stuff, competition stuff too, or no? I seen. I seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was a competitive bodybuilder for yeah. about ten years, and my wife, I owned Apple my wife in was, Boston. My wife was. Uh, you're from Boston. What yeah, you? yeah. I grew up in Boston until I was thirty before I moved to California, and. Yeah, so I started a health club when I was 23 because I was I was competing in bodybuilding yeah. then. And the gym I was training at, I asked them if they would sponsor me just with a free membership. And they said, yeah. no, we don't do that. So I was like, geez, man, I've been so supportive of you guys and giving you shout outs. Yeah, these competitions. Give me a free and I was $30 well. a month membership. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was training for a contest at the time and I was with my training partner. I'm like, man, we could do a better gym than so many of these gyms. And uh. So that was the spark. And I just, uh, my parents co-signed on a loan and my partners did too. And we, we started this facility, a world gym, uh, and it was a life changer. It taught me about business, yeah. taught me about how to lead a team, all yeah. that stuff. But yeah. So, so yeah, that came Where from was it? bodybuilding Where was in, 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 it was in, uh, in Beverly, Massachusetts. Oh, the mass? Yeah. My wife's, right from, so the, right my wife's from mass. I just came back from mass. Um, she's in Agawam Springfield, Connecticut, Agawam. And she did. Oh yeah, okay, she yeah. She did uh, shows. She used to compete too, as well. So it's interesting that's, because everyone, yeah, it's so she's funny. From yeah, I won Mister Massachusetts, show. so that's hilarious. Oh, you did? Oh, <laughs> that's wow. cool. That's yeah, cool. back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. I know the video that you saw of me. That was my off season. Was bench pressing. I'd get really heavy and really big and yeah. as strong as I could and as big as I could before dieting down for shows. But yeah, that, that video of me getting slapped around to get motivated is pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah you're good. I see that. You're just getting hit and hit. That's so funny, <laughs> but that's what it takes. I guess mm -hmm. to get, go hard Yeah, to get me going. Yeah. I'm pretty chill, you know, but slap me in the face a few times. I'm not yeah. so chill. It helps. <laughs> I watched my wife do the show. It's so much dedication you have to put in and the eating is crazy. How much eating and then cutting no water to, she was doing an ice cube at the very end. And, you know, cause you're trying to hey, cut all the yeah, water. Doing the potassium, the sodium thing. The, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it's a science. It is absolutely yeah. a science and it takes a huge amount of discipline, but it taught me how to be disciplined. I used to be super undisciplined ADHD didn't even graduate with my high school class so it wasn't until I started weight training and bodybuilding that I learned discipline and 
that discipline has helped me so much in business and in life and in real estate. It's huge. So for people who are just starting out, how do you recommend the fear of negativity or how do you, how do you start out in this business? I mean, I remember you sharing earlier, you're talking about, you just knew you had to buy some rental properties and so forth, but how do you, how do you share with a lot of people out there that this is where they start? Or... Yeah. I mean, the fear piece is huge. It stops most people. And when I was coaching for the 15 years before we started Real Wealth, that was the major focus of my coaching was helping people deal with those fears that hold us back. And sometimes we don't even know that they're running the show. You know, it's like the fears in our subconscious. And we're like, no, I'm not scared or I've got this. But then you secretly find out that that procrastination or avoidance or doing the easy thing, it's really fear-based. So, I mean, I my favorite way to deal with fear, especially when it comes to investing or getting started or um, scaling or going to the next level is mm -hmm. just kind of having a conversation with that inner voice. It sounds a little woo-woo, but it's kind of like, okay, hey, hey, fear, like, here's my goal. Here's what I want. Yeah. This is what I see in the future. What do you have to say about this? <laughs> and you just kind of, I love to close my eyes and just check in and let that fear speak up. Yeah. And we'll often just say, I'm afraid this might happen. Or what about this? And so the cool thing is, it's actually, it cues you. So I don't really look at fear as an enemy. I look at it as a friend. It's like, it's the protector. And it's, we were born with that fear. And ever since we were born with that fear, it's been there to protect us from failure, from embarrassment, from ridicule, from loss. And so by ignoring it, it's only going to rear its ugly head. Fear investing is definitely the hardest part of it all. Cause you, and I feel even as you scale, that fear just gets bigger and bigger. And you're always like pushing that muscle. You're, it's that muscle of fear. You're, you're working out. You're, you're saying earlier, right? It's, you're getting comfortable with that fear. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But as the fear gets bigger, so does our courage. So the more you do something that's challenging and uncomfortable and a little scary, you check in with the fear and you're like, what do you need? And you say, this is my goal. What do you need? That fear or that protector will actually give you steps. Like if you run into this obstacles, here's what you can do. Or I need you to learn more about this. I need you to, you know, you have a fear of expanding into multifamily. Say it's like, what do you need fear? It's going to say, you need to learn about multifamily or yeah. find someone who knows how to do that or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. So yeah. And then the courage gets more. And so then you have an expanded vision about what you can do, who you can become. And then, yeah. And then you start getting to level like you are <laughs> or like a Brandon Turner, right? Yeah. You just keep, uh, you just keep growing. You keep pushing that, that comfort or fear um, level. And a lot of people don't want to do that. I think a lot is most normal. Even when I first started, I remember your comfort zones of life you know you're working your w-2 job you're getting paid every friday you know your security of life is very secure to to take that next step into being an investor or getting this going you know you're giving out of that that comfort zone and i remember that early on i was like oh man it's nice to get paid every friday you know as an investor you're not getting paid <laughs> until often 
when I do a flip, I don't get paid. No, but when you get the big checks, you're like, oh, it's nice to be paid. And (laughs) then you got the W-2 worker saying, well, it must be nice, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you've gone through, but I mean, it's like anything, you know, you got to get uncomfortable if you want to grow. It's just Mm -hmm. the way it is. And it depends what you value. Some people value security more than they value freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not us, right? Mm-hmm. We want freedom. We want yeah. flexibility. We want to get the most out of life. So you got to be willing to get uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And, and it's like, a, as you're talking about earlier, working out, it's a muscle that you're almost building this muscle of, of, of fear. Is, you know, and it, you're building it through education. You know, you're, as you were talking earlier, getting into mm-hmm. multifamily, right? You're just you're educating yourself, you're learning it. So that fear level starts dropping and dropping. Oh, I really understand this. I just grasping and the fear level kind of dissipates almost. And it's, Yeah, I had a college professor, and I still remember he wrote it up on the board. And he said, the best way to avoid fear is to be so well prepared, that there's little chance of failure. Yeah. And I remember he was talking about a, a, a test for statistics, but it was like, it carries over to everything. Mm-hmm. Be so well prepared mm-hmm. that there's little chance of failure. And then the fear starts to subside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so true. You want to be that. When I, when I look at a flip off, then I tell people, you got to be that expert on that, that property, that market, you know, no, every expired listing, every sold property, you be that neighborhood expert, you know, it's, ultimately it's your money at stake often so you know you want to make sure you you mitigate all those risks you said Mm -hmm. uh you said once there's no such thing as as a self-made success what do you what do you mean by that i just you know i've met so many people in this industry um you know a good friend of mine is ken mcelroy who's done you know owns over ten thousand apartment units and he's you know he's a beast you know (laughs) an amazing guy an amazing giver he's awesome and uh, when I look at him and when you're asked, you talk to him, he's always talking about who has helped him get there. Mm. He's not like, yeah, I did this. I did this. And it's like, so the people who are like, I want to be a self-made success or I'm a self-made success, you know, it, it's okay. But what you do is you start getting in your own way, because when you're like, I'm going to be a self-made success and you start to base your plans and everything on, I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. When you say there's no such thing as a self-made success, it's the, these people who've really succeeded, they did it with a team. They did it with other people. It's that Dan Sullivan, who not, ha- who not how yeah, approach, who not, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you, if you're looking through life in the lens of, I want to be a self-made success, it's going to be really hard to become a success. When you look at it, it's like, I want to be a team-made success. All of a sudden you find the people, the opportunities mm-hmm. and the team, they, they're going to help you get there. So just a simple thing that I'd like to say to myself is, Rich, don't try to be a self-made success. Don't try to be a lone ranger. Yeah. It's not going to get you anywhere. That's it's so true. And because um, early on, when you're trying to do this by yourself, you, you can only get so far. And um, I struggled with that myself. I was, you know, I, no one could do as good as me. You know, it's got to be me. And yeah. when I started hiring and building a team, you know, it, it, that's when you start growing and that's when you start be able to to do more you know a lot of people are looking outside even looking outside of your group and your team and they see this huge success but they don't know the team the the hours the struggles that it took to get there to get to that you know that to get to that success For sure yeah they just see that yeah big, you know in the early yeah yeah in the early days of real wealth you know it was just you know kathy going out there making it happen finding the property teams negotiating things 
doing strategy sessions with clients and everything. Mm -hmm. And then our first hire was a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And then our second hire was uh, a, a new uh, or our first investment counselor. And then we did this thing. This was really cool. And I'd recommend this to anyone who's got any type of business is to lay out your organizational chart three mm -hmm. years in the future. Oh, so wow. you think, where do I want my company to be in mm -hmm. three years? How much revenue? How do I want to go? And then you say, so what would that look like team-wise, you know, organizational chart? Who's the CEO? Who's marketing? Who's sales? Who's finance? Who's legal? And you create this organizational chart. And in the beginning, you say, okay, now fill these seats with who is doing it now. Mm -hmm. And usually it's you, 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 your partner, your partner, maybe a couple hires. But over time, you start to replace you in that seat with someone else. And what I love to do is look at that organizational chart and say, okay, we got this position here. Oh, we want to hire a third investment counselor. And you put hire Q4 2023, mm. you know, and you get set and you say, this is our next hire. And all of a sudden, you know, and then you look back on it. Yeah. It's really cool. We look back at our old org charts and it was a lot of Kathy and me in the, in those spots. And now it's just Kathy and me in the owner's seats at the top the and we've got a whole team of yeah. leaders who just run the company incredibly well so we have a self-managing business now it's it's awesome that's really cool you're just reverse engineering it really and you're planning for future mm -hmm. I, I love how you're implementing yeah. also some of the revenue streams that you know benchmarks to hit too you know to to, to not just an erg chart but putting some of the numbers that you want to hit and by when and dates you know because i've heard just you know draw your erg chart of course but i love the the futuristic goal and because uh, I, I love reverse engineering things and so that's interesting. yeah that's exactly yeah. what it is i like it's yeah. a great term love yeah. that yeah just doing the math figuring out how to get there <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah reverse engineer that's great that's so cool <laughs> that's cool um that's cool so um the last segment we have we have a question um that we got asked from our uh our our, uh, our followers out there kt asked uh do you have any advice for those planning on getting into business with a partnership? So you guys are experts at that with your husband and wife partnership for years. And I actually really look up to your guys partnership. You have, you have this per, like really nice chemistry. It looks like, uh, you know, mm, everybody you. and even person, people who don't know you guys, you guys have this great chemistry between each other. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a blessing. You know, we've gone through our challenges of course, course, like any couple, like any business partners, you know, like I said, when I had that gym, I had two other business partners and learned a lot through that process about, you know, finding your unique strengths and everything. And honestly, when I wrote the wise investor, that pair, it's a parable and it tells the story of this guy who really learns the, the power of partnership mm -hmm. with his wife. In the beginning, he's like the investor who's like, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to make all the investment decisions doesn't include his wife. And over time, it starts to blow up. Their marriage starts to blow up in a bad way because she doesn't feel included. He's doing things on his own. So he learns this lesson. That's one of the lessons he learns from the mentor in the story is how to be a better husband, how to be a better partner, how to include his wife in their investing and also yeah. how to support her in her business that she's growing. Yeah. So, you know, I think I really, I think it really comes down to number one, to really work with a good partner is um, what we call weekly communication connection meetings. Yeah. So every week, Kathy and I have a this connection meeting. And 
we like the term that connection thing because it's like instead of resisting that meeting which is easy to do with your mm -hmm. business partner because mm -hmm. we're so we get so busy working on the business you know mm -hmm. or in the business that we can't work on the business so having that weekly connection meeting with your partner and to really look at the one the kpis how are we doing what's working what's not working to ask your business partner what do you want me to do more of the way i'm showing up in this business what do you want me to do more of uh, that I'm doing well? And what would you like me to start doing less of? What's something that might be bugging you or bothering you, or you wish I didn't do it so often or it didn't show up so much? And and a key there is being willing to hear it too, is like get yourself in a good <laughs> so place, a check your ego at the door, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To just be like, so that's the cool thing about the meeting. It's framed. You're ready. You say, okay, mm, I'm ready for this feedback. Right. What is it? What yeah. What do you want me to do? less of yeah. and to be willing to hear that don't get defensive and say well i do it because of but or why or whatever you just say oh okay thanks for that input and then just process it and think about okay how can my partner's asking me for something here mm -hmm. what can i do to honor this request and vice versa for the for your your partner too mm -hmm. so i think i think that's a, a game changer really that's awesome. And then, yeah, you're setting goals and you're setting where you want to go together in life. That's, that's amazing. It makes sure you're on the same page. You know, that's, yeah. That's, you got to have a line vision, a shared vision. That's yeah. another thing, you know, Kathy and I just did that, uh, had a couple's retreat at our place here in Malibu. We just yeah. we had five couples here. So it was 10 people in the room with Kathy and me. And the biggest thing that we did that people got the most value is we had each couple sit down and you could do this with your business partner and you basically you take a, a stack of post-it notes and you write down what you envision in the future in five years mm -hmm. if everything turned out just right. How much money would you want to be making? How much free time do you want? What's the business look like? How many employees do you have? But you can go all the way down if you're a couple and really write out all these different things on different post-it notes. And you're not looking at your partner's answers. They're not looking at yours. But when you're done, then you take all these post-it notes you put them together and then you start to combine them together and you'll find out that you, what, what you're aligned on, what, how your visions align. And you'll be surprised at how many things align. And then you can start to put them together and you say, okay, this group, this area called travel is one thing. And you have all your visions shared in there. Mm -hmm. This other one about finances, how much do we want to make making? What's our net worth? What's our monthly cash flow, health and fitness? What does that look like? And then all of a sudden you create this shared vision statement, whether you're business partners or life partners. And it's like, this is our shared vision of where we want to be in five years and 10 years. And that way you're like kind of rowing the boat in the same direction together. Yeah. You know, if like yeah. if one person's rowing the boat in one direction, the other and the other, you're just going to go in circles. Mm -hmm. So by having that shared vision, you're just so much more effective and you're, you use your strengths more effectively. That's, that's a really good exercise. That's great. That's great. And then you know where you're both trying to get to. How how about for anyone who are not the husband and wife maybe are not in the same industry? Maybe they'll, you know, the wife does something different and the the husband. So how do you deal with that type of partnership, you know, in a sense? That, On the shared vision type yeah, of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really simple. A, a bunch of people in our couples retreat were in different things, you know, completely different careers. One own their own business and the um, the husband owned his own business, a construction business. The wife um, was a W-2 employee for mm -hmm. a crane company. They rent cranes. So completely different there. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they aligned about where do they want to be? What does it look like in the future for all these different areas? So for career, they had individual things of what, what they see for their mm -hmm. own career. 
but then all those other what, nine areas of life that are not career mm -hmm. from fun and recreation to travel to their physical environment, their home to travel to their family, to their mm -hmm. spirituality, all those different areas, they got that shared vision. And some of the things are like, oh yeah, this, I, I figured this, but some of the things like, oh, I didn't know you wanted to go there. I didn't know what you wanted to do that. That's cool. I didn't know you wanted, you know, grandchildren or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really eye opening. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. It just makes me want to go home right now to my wife and don't do it with her right now. It's we a talk about it a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. nice to take the post-it. I like the post-it idea and uh, do it and post mm. it. Yeah. Then you can both see. It works really side. well. That's amazing. I'm gonna... Yeah. And then you're not shooting down each because if you're just talking about the vision and someone says, you know, oh, I'm, I would love to move to Alaska. You know, your first reaction is going to be, well, I don't want to move to Alaska or whatever, you know, wherever it might be, yeah, you know, yeah. but writing it down, you're just like, then you look at it and you go, oh, wow, I didn't know you wanted to do that. That's wild. Where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not getting shut down right away. Mm -mm. That's funny. It's, I'm like taking mental notes here. Like, oh, I got to go do that. <laughs> I got to get that done. <laughs> Good. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> I highly recommend it. So the event was at your house. I didn't realize it was up at your house. I didn't. Um, the uh, the, our couple's retreat that Kathy and I did was here. Yeah. Oh. In Malibu at our place here. It's just the perfect meeting space. And this is actually where Brandon had that fundraiser dinner, which was awesome. Mm. We raised, uh, raised, I forget it was, I think it was 60 grand in one night for a mm. dinner we had for the Tim Tebow. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, foundation to stop human trafficking was. He, uh, he brought up the Kiabi Kiabi outdoors Kiabi. was here. Yeah, yeah, those guys are great. Yeah, I love, I love their food. They're amazing. They're yeah. so cool people, and man, they, they are incredible chefs. Yeah, so, yeah, that was an amazing evening. They need to open up a restaurant. That's what they need. <laughs> they need a nice restaurant. Yeah, I know an outdoor restaurant. <laughs> yeah, outdoor restaurant, <laughs> but nice. I don't want to take too much of your time. Sorry for the. People who aren't listening, we had a couple of little technical difficulties in there, but uh, thank you for bearing with us. And and um, absolutely, um, I'm actually gonna dance in the moment. I think I'm gonna go home and tell my wife I met Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Massachusetts. <laughs> <The, laughs> nice, <body> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think, I think she calls 19, mass people uh, 1989. <laughs> she called mass mass holes, right? That's what they she referred to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mass, I, I don't know, bunch of losers, <laughs> <laughs> wicked, wicked. Actually, yeah. I went to a, a baseball, a Boston game, and it was the most classic Red Sox game when New York guys came and somebody yelled, uh, what did he yell? Go back to New York, you bum. I'm not doing it right, but the, <laughs> yeah, that's totally the, yeah, yeah. The most classic is, with the green monster. <laughs> yeah, the most classic, <laughs> classic is Boston moment. But um, oh yeah, I love, yeah. I love that part <laughs> of the world. That's a nice part of the world. It's entertaining, but, that's for sure. Hey, thank you so much. Oh, so anyone out there listening, following, where can they find you and follow you at and on, on your socials and um our company's website is really simple it's just realwealth.com yeah uh, and then on social media just rich fetke pretty yeah. simple and rich and kathy you guys have got some nice social medias too um yeah thank you guys so much and please like and subscribe and ask us question guys i always tell everyone out there just to ask questions because early on when i started real sites it's own little language sometimes and there's so many questions mm -hmm. and acronyms and little things <laughs> i feel like it's a little world of language sometimes so ask questions guys and there's no better way to start than to get out there and take action i think that's the hardest part of this business no matter where you are it's the action part you know taking action and just do it do it now figure it out later kind of thing
Yeah. But, uh, and make connections with people like you and yeah. Brandon and use all those resources. That's that has been amazing for us. Just stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, <laughs> I love really the works. group. I love the group. I just love being I try to go every event there is. Um, I'm really bummed I missed the last one, but just loved hanging out with everybody. I, I don't even care about yeah. the I mean, the events are great, but I just care about hanging out. The networking part is just so much great, great sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I uh, hope to see you soon at uh, another event. I'm, I don't know what's coming up, but I'm sure there's something coming up. <laughs> there's always something. Yeah. But Looking um, forward to it. Definitely see. We'll yeah, see we'll, each other there. We'll jump off a bridge again. Or I'll get a, I'll get a waterfall for us to jump off over here next time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, having uh, uh, taking the time and being on the show. And thank you so much for just talking story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Likewise. Thanks. Aloha, brother. Thank you, everyone. Aloha, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>